Stories embrace every human emotion and genre, humor, wit, celebration, sorrow, grit, loss, grief, and triumph. We believe stories change lives. Welcome to the She Speaks Stories podcast. This is Susan Wanderer. And this is Katie Hawkins. And welcome to episode 10 of She Speaks Stories. Can you even believe it? Can you even believe it? We're finally at episode 10. We've only been doing this since December. A decade of episodes. Oh, yes. There you go. There you go. Um, and we, I don't think either one of us thought it would be as fun as it has been. I know. It's been quite fun. I know. Yeah, it's been a good time. Um, and last week, we had, for episode 9, we had... Um, stories that we told from our story tribe, from our people that listen. And um, what I love is people started downloading that one faster than any of the other other episodes we've had on. I mean, they were downloading like crazy the last seven days, which has been so fun. Actually, like the last, yeah, about seven or ten days. And um, the messages and the emails that we've received from people that are saying, Man, God really met me during that story, and it lent it le- really did lend courage to their story by hearing those stories. Which that's exciting. That's exciting. And the fact that that wasn't even our plan. I know God <laughs> used it in spite of it not being our plan. I mean, I love that. I really because do love remember, that. If you remember, we had a guest schedule, and then they yeah. canceled. And, um, I love that. Yeah, I do it too. It really is. Well, because you and I had said we wanted to tell those two stories, we just didn't know when the right time would be. Yeah. And then it became the right it time. It was the right time. And there it there, was. There it was, you go. Yeah, it was there fabulous. You um, and you have been busy. You've been out in California speaking yeah. at a conference. I was out in 29 Palms doing a women's conference. And the funniest thing, Susan, this woman at the conference comes up to me and she starts telling me this story that her and her husband listen to podcasts all the time. I guess they have to drive a lot. Yeah, yeah. But he always picks the podcast, and she said they're always men ones that are kind of boring, know, boring yes. and have to do with the military or whatever. And so about a week before the conference, they were going somewhere, and she said, can I pick the podcast? Well, somehow she found she found ours. Yeah, yeah. Not knowing anything about us or specifically looking for She Speaks Stories. Sure. But just looking for a woman yeah, yeah. Um, podcast. And they listened to it. And she, first of all, she said her husband liked it. He said, oh, that. that wasn't bad at all. That's awesome. <laughs> well, because, you know, I will say this. I am surprised at the amount of men that do message us. But what they say to us is that they love the stories, that God has really spoken to them through the stories. But people think that it's only for women. Yeah, but, I yeah. mean, I think the she speaks stories, the she part is you and me. Right, it doesn't right. mean the stories have to be feminine or only female. Right, and I love that God's for women to listen exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I love that God is using them in men's lives, too. Absolutely. Yeah, and good. we will have men yes. on here. Because you're right. It's you and I yeah. are the she. We're the she. And yeah. we're just speaking stories, but other people can be st- speaking the Absolutely. stories, too. Absolutely. All right. Well, the end of this story that made me kind of chuckle, this gal listens to our podcast, and then a week later, she comes to this conference that I'm speaking at, and I think that was the episode. We didn't say our last names. I, you know, you just oh, said, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Susan, this is yeah. Katie. And um, so I get up, and I start speaking, and she says that it went through her mind, boy, 
her voice sounds so familiar, <laughs> almost like that woman on the podcast. But she had listened to one of our early episodes. And do you remember I had said how old I was? Yes, I hate and that. Because <laughs> you're not old. You are not old. Well, what she said was, well, this can't be that woman on the podcast because she's super old. And this, and she's thinking, this woman doesn't look that old. She's well, a cane. Then I mentioned the podcast in while I was up yeah, there yeah. speaking. And she's like, oh. That is the woman on the podcast. So she had to come up and tell me that. And she said, You're not that old. And I laughed. I, I do said, love Thank that you she was able to find us just by Googling us. No, I know. Isn't that Yeah, cool? that's fun. Yeah, that yeah. really is fun. So for all of you out there thinking that I'm like a white haired old lady with She's a cane. She's not. <laughs> Katie's super fun. Oh my goodness. It's hilarious. Well, today for episode 10, we have got quite the treat. Um, Kim Daly is um going to be our guest today. And I will tell you this, I've never met Kim in person and either of you. No. And uh, let me tell you about her bio first. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then I'm going to tell you how we came across her being a part of our podcast today. Um, Kim Daly and her husband, Ben, they are the lead pastors of Calvary Church, which is in the Metroplex of Dallas-Fort Worth um, area of Texas. Along with pastoring, she is a graphic and interior designer, but most importantly, she is married to her high school sweetheart and best friend of nearly 25 years. And she gets to live out her most important calling of being a mom to her two children, Kyla and Kate. And I wish um, you guys would go to our Instagram feed because Kim's picture is going to be on our Instagram feed when you're listening to this. Uh, because she is as cute as a button. Oh, I mean, she is absolutely adorable. Oh my goodness, her hair is fabulous. Her makeup is fabulous. I, I just, oh my goodness, I'm wishing that she lived near us because <laughs> for our little live event, she needs to do our makeup because she is amazing. <laughs> She's as cute as a button. But let me tell you, um, and you're uh, you're going to be in for such a treat to hear her story today. But let me tell you the um, incredibly um, interesting way that this came about. Um, I have things that roll in my head multiple times a day. I mean, all the time. And I thought, her name popped into my head. Well, the problem is I don't know her. I don't know anything really about her. I kind of remembered that somebody I know may know her, but not really. Like, I'm not kidding you when I say I did not know anything about her. And her name just popped into my mind. Well, I shoot it out because I literally... Hundreds of things pop into my mind all day long, and I have to decide what do I need to weed out and what do I say, hmm, let me go down that rabbit trail with that random thing that went in my mind. Well, that one I just pushed right out. Well, the next morning I wake up, and Kim Daly's name is the first thing on my brain, the very first thing on my brain. And I was like, who is Kim Daly, and why is her name on my brain for two days in a row? So I um, texted my... um, mentor and very dear friend, Susan Blunt, who, um, she, I was about to tell you what she did. She's going to be on our podcast too, because she's so sensational. Um, but to tell you, uh, what Susan Blunt does would be about an hour podcast in itself because she is one busy lady, (laughs) but I texted her and I said, Susan, uh, Kim Daly's name keeps popping into my mind. I can't remember. I can't even remember what I said to Susan, but something like, I can't remember. Do you even know her or what is the deal? But she keeps popping into my mind about her, about her story being on our podcast. I don't even know what her story is. And I remember saying yeah. that to Susan, I don't even know what her story is, but I feel like I'm supposed to ask her to be on the podcast. And Susan Blunt texted me back and she was like, 
You're kidding, right? Like, I mean, like, what? And apparently, then I find out, Susan and Kim are very good friends. Not only are they very good friends, but um, Susan's husband is on staff at their church. And I was like, are you kidding me? What? Like, I mean, I couldn't even, yeah, the whole thing was like, oh my goodness. So very long story short, within the next hour, I was connected with Kim on texting through Susan. And we started talking on texting and here we are. She was like, yeah, sure. I love it. Yeah. And then this past Sunday, they started a new series at their church. Their church has about five campuses. Their church from what, this is what Susan has told me. Their church is in the most diverse zip code in the country. I love that. I know. I do love that. I've watched a few of their church services online now, and it is just amazing. Calvary Church in, I've watched the Irving, Texas campus. Oh my goodness. It's just, I mean, I can't even tell you. Oh, she's calling us right now. Yay! Okay, so we're going to get to connect to her right now. All right, guys. Well, our guest is here. This is Kim Daly, and we are so, so grateful that she has chosen to be with us. We are um, on a Zoom call with her, so we actually had the privilege of seeing her face-to-face, which is so nice. Um, And she is calling us from the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and we get to talk a little bit today with her about her story. So that's good. So Kim, we are going to hand it over to you to share your story, and then Katie and I say that we're not going to interrupt, but I will say this. (laughs) We sometimes just cannot honor that. Sometimes we cannot yeah. hold back. So if we are more than welcome to jump in anytime. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> but uh, till then, we just are going to hand it over to you to be able to share your story, and um, and then we will chat a little bit at the end. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you both. I'm so honored and humbled that you guys would even think of extending this invitation to me for me to be able to share my story. You know, I feel like sometimes we walk through seasons of life where it's a challenge, it's an obstacle, it's a dark season, and then we come through it and we see God incredibly rescue us and bring victory in our lives, and somehow we still believe this deceiving lie that somehow the story was just for us, mm. and, um, and our stories are so much bigger than just for us, even though it's oh, amazing that God loves us that much that he would step in and, and turn our own worlds upside down, but I think that we forget that our stories are far more reaching than just our own Amen. Deal, and so the opportunity that that you've extended to me to be able to share my story. I know there's someone out there. If it's just one other Kim, that's Amen. With what I've walked through in the past, um, I hope that you know the Lord would use this opportunity because nobody knew what I was walking through. No one. Um, my coworkers didn't know. My kids, my family, my husband, my friends, closest friends didn't know what I was walking through. Walking through, and at first, I didn't even know what I was walking through. The only thing I did know was that something was terribly wrong and out of sorts. And I, I couldn't explain it. I couldn't describe it. And honestly, I didn't even want to acknowledge it. I just figured that if I didn't acknowledge what I was walking through, the the battles that I was uh, facing and dealing with that, you know, if I just acted like everything was fine, just maybe it would be, maybe, Mm. you know, ignoring it would just make it go away. But eventually um, things began to spiral out of control and, everything became overwhelming to me. Everything, the smallest things became insurmountable. Things that normally I wouldn't have even given a second thought to were debilitating. I find myself weeping. I, you know, would, would just, everything became extremely overwhelming to me. And, um, and when I, you know, first started 
just crying at the drop of a hat turned into anger. And then I found myself completely numb. Um, and I remember, you know, going to sleep every single night. I'd gotten to a point that I would just beg God every night to take this ache. I had a physical ache that just sat on my chest. I, I tried to explain to my husband when I went a little further into this season and realized something is so wrong here. And he would ask, what can I do for you? What can I help you with? How can I fix this? And I had no language mm. to explain what I was walking through. And I ended up realizing eventually that I was in the grips of severe depression, mm -hmm. but I had no label for it. I'd never experienced it before. I didn't really know anyone that had been honest enough to tell me that's what's going on, or this is what I've struggled with in the past. And so I had no solution. I, I couldn't tell him what was wrong. I just knew that I would go to sleep every night and ask God to please fix me. Please mm -hmm. take this away, take this ache away, um, take these dark thoughts away. And then I would wake up the next morning. You know, there's that little window of time before you really open your eyes, but you're awake. And I would know, I would just be so disappointed and so discouraged that it's not gone. It's still there. It's, you know, um, and, and as every day went on, I, and the discouragement grew, um, the pressure, the darkness grew and, um, you know, it's the, the classic typical symptoms that I didn't recognize because it was happening to me. Mm -hmm. Um, but getting out of bed seemed like an impossibility, daily routines and functions, being a mom, I had a, a 10 year old and a five year old at the time. I, I couldn't, do the simplest tasks. Everything was huge. Everything. Um, and so kind of to give a backstory in 2007, um, Ben and I were in California. We had, um, we had started in California. We got married, moved out to Dallas. Um, when we were 19, we were babies. We were mm. naive, ignorant. It was great. Um, <laughs> ignorance really is bliss because you literally have no idea what you're doing in life and you don't yeah. realize you're doing anything wrong. <laughs> Yeah. So we just stepped out and went to Bible school in Dallas and we started on, um, at the church that we're at currently, uh, we were interning, we became staff members and, uh, I hated it. I hated Dallas. It just wasn't home. I didn't fit with the culture. Um, it was early nineties and you know, it was the heyday of the religious stuff going on yeah. at the time. Yeah. I grew up in, in, a a Christian home. My family wasn't, you know, we're, they weren't believers. And so it was just a very shocking transition to me. But we, we were in, in Dallas for seven years and then we left and moved back to California to the, to the Bay area, not where we're from, but we planted a church and we were there another seven years. And so, um, in that time frame, you know, I just basically, tried everything as church planners. You don't have the budget to hire people to do marketing sure. and you know, all these different positions. And I just felt like you don't have a choice. If you need a sound person, I'm the sound person. If you need, you're, yeah. 20, you're the janitor, you know, I mean, I, I, my hand was in everything. And through that season, God used it to really put on display where my giftings lie. And so I discovered in that in that season that I knew I was super artistic and creative, but I just always excuse that as kind of a natural thing and it had no place in ministry and um and yet god really confirmed and, and placed value that those gifts were absolutely supernatural giftings that can support ben and my husband ben and um and our ministry and so 
we were real happy where we were. Um, and when we got a phone call from our founding pastor back in Dallas asking us to come back to Dallas and, you know, um, help with some transitions at the church that we had been at and help the, help the church come out of some flatline years, I didn't really want to go back there. I, it was It had been hard. It had been very religious. I didn't fit there before. And I was like, I don't want to go back. I don't, I don't, I know what I, it's not ignorant anymore. There's no ignorance anymore. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm going back fully aware, but we knew um, that God had called us and we stood on the word that he gave us to go back in honor. So we packed up our two young kids in 2007 and we moved back to Dallas and we um, stepped into a position that we probably weren't the most favorite couple on staff because we were the ones that were having to make adjustments to staff and was very difficult. There were friends of hers and, you know, we just followed along with a lot of instruction that was given to us and requests that were made to us. And we, we followed instructions, but it was difficult. And I was stepping back into a role that I didn't fit in years before. And I sure didn't fit in now. There was really not a place for creative people in ministry. You know, I don't play the organ. I don't play the piano. I don't sing. I, I love my kids. I'm not real maternal, so I didn't really want to teach children's ministry. And I love women, but I just don't have a gift to lead a women's ministry. So all the classic, typical pastor's wife roles didn't sure. fit. So I, I walked back in just feeling like I don't know how I fit, but I'm going to do my best. And, um, and I also stepped back into a lot of expectations of what the role looked like before I stepped mm -hmm. back into it. Um, and, and as wonderful as that role looked, it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. I didn't fit it. And, um, at least not the typical. So anyway, I stepped back in and, you know, we were excited to just go ahead and move forward on things. And we were a little bit in limbo. Our, at that point, the housing market was tanking in California. So our house wasn't selling. We couldn't buy here in, ta in Dallas. Um, we were kind of in a, uh, apartment in limbo. We didn't have our stuff in it. We had stuff in storage and it just, you know, for women, you just need your stuff around you. You need of to course. feel yeah. and set your stuff out. And as shallow and superficial as it seems to have your things, it, oh. it became huge to me. I just felt like I wasn't either here nor there. I didn't fit in a new role. Um, and so, and that's part of the nesting too. Absolutely. I mean, you want to be able to fit somewhere. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And for me, you know, making my home a place of refuge for my husband for, you know, after hard days to come home and feel like he can just exhale and yeah. breathe. And I couldn't do that. I just felt like I was failing on all fronts. Mm. Um, and honestly, looking at the whole thing, none of this was how it was supposed to be. You know, I thought we'd go back there and, you know, go back to Dallas and be welcomed with open arms and everything would just magically fit in place. I knew it would be difficult, but I, and I knew I would, you know, be in for some battles, but not the battle I was in at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so eventually things began to settle out and the kids got plugged into a great school and started making great friends. Ministry began to settle out and I just figured my emotions would too. And they didn't. And I began to have a mental checklist of all the different things, you know, once our house sells or once we buy a place and get settled and we can get our stuff out of storage and, you know, once I'm able to office in a normal place and, you know, all the things that I had done before, I had a checklist that I was going to take off the checklist. And by the end, I would, 
I would be normal again. You know, that's why my emotions were crazy. And, and yet I got to that last little lit, that last little item on the list and I checked it off. Everything, there was no more check marks, you know, and yet my emotions were still erratic and dark and, um, and I felt like everything was falling into place. So why wasn't, why wasn't my life falling into place? It just became a very difficult situation for me. So, you know, not only did I walked into some expectations that were placed on me by others that I know they meant well, um, they wanted the best for me. They wanted me to fit into minister to them the way they had already always be ministered to. I also put expectations on myself that I had to be the perfect pastor's wife, whatever that is. I don't even know what that is, but I had it in my head that you just have it all together. And, and, um, and even if you, you know, if you don't know how to do it, if, if you, if this doesn't make sense, you don't ever let on that you don't know how to do it. You just put on a good game face. Mm -hmm. And so that whole idea, that whole expectation from others and from myself led me down this crazy path of disillusionment. I've became very isolated. I, I, and I ultimately just felt like a failure all the way around. Um, no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't live up to this picture perfect pastor's wife ideal. And, um, and so the enemy began to whisper undertones of doubts. You know, I, my, I will, I grew up in a family and a household that told me I could do anything I wanted to. If you wanted to be an artist, be an artist. If you wanted to be whatever. And so it was only when I got involved in church in ministry that I believed that I couldn't do things after mm-hmm. all, um, which is a sad, a sad, you know, state really that really the one place you should find the most freedom. I felt the most bondage. Um, wow. yeah. and so, um, you know, the enemy, continued to whisper these doubts. I began to question my giftings. I began to question my purpose, my abilities. Never in our married life did I ever feel like I wasn't on an equal level as a teammate in ministry. Ben and I had been called in ministry together and he was my biggest cheerleader. He's my biggest fan. He always encouraged me to step out and do whatever God told me to do. And yet I continued to hear these little whispers that you can't do that. That doesn't fit the the perception that you're supposed to, you know, follow into and the expectations. And, and I realized that at that point that I was caught in a suffocating grip of depression and I tried to get out of it in my own strength. I couldn't, nothing I could do was, was helping. Um, so eventually, you know, I would have little, little thoughts would come through my head, um, that I would quickly dismiss, you know, like, when you question your purpose, you know, it's one thing to question your gifts. It's another thing, you know, your character traits or whatever, but when your purpose is attacked, yeah. at first I had the strength to kind of rebuttal that, um, my saving grace and all of it. I looked at my kids and thought, if I'm not around, you know, that's going to damage my kids forever. And, and I don't ever want them to think that somehow they were to blame. Somehow it was because of them that they didn't do something. They didn't help mom enough or, you know, and, you know, they're five and 10. They didn't understand what was going on. All they knew is that mom was really sad. And so at first I, I dismissed those thoughts and just thought my death, you know, would damage my kids horrendously. And then as time goes on 
the enemy just continued to hammer those thoughts. And it turned into, instead of my death would be damaging to my kids, it then turned into my life and existence is now damaging my kids. Oh. And, um, you know, in the enemy is so wicked, isn't he? Horrible. It, so deceptive and so wicked. Absolutely. So as time went on, you know, instead of pushing those thoughts out, I began entertaining them and I began strategizing the end. I had multiple attempts that failed, thankfully, but, um, there was a time where I was, you know, putting on my game face to go up to church and you got to be in service. You got to, you know, pray for people and you got to give hope and life and joy to all these people and wisdom and counsel. And I had none of it. I just felt like I'd been trying to give out of a well that was completely dry and empty. And I drove myself to church and sat at a light at a frontage road. And the next thing I know, I just heard, it's not worth it. You have nothing to offer. And I found myself opening the car door and walking down a an embankment onto the edge of the freeway and I stepped out into the freeway traffic and stepped across a couple lanes and thankfully um, there was a sweet woman that pulled off and helped me you know she stopped traffic and she helped me get back to my car and I'm sure she said a lot of sweet things I don't really remember it just was horror in my head I mean unless you've walked through it they're trying to explain to people the things that you hear in your head that any other time I could logically dismiss and say, that's ridiculous. No one would believe those things in the moment. And after so many months of hearing these lies over and over, I just believed that I was a failure, that I was failing on all fronts and that everyone would be better off without me. And my concern was not just what damage are you doing for to your kids, but what damage are you to your husband, to his reputation? You know, he'd been called out here and I knew that God was opening doors up for him and everything was starting to fall in place and everything was starting to become wonderful, but I was a horrendous disaster. His own wife, he couldn't even keep his own wife, you know, healthy. And, and, um, and I remember, you know, I loved Jesus. I loved him. It wasn't that I didn't love the Lord. You know, I wasn't mad at him. I just remember thinking, why, why won't he, what am I doing wrong that he won't help me out of this? Yeah. It must be something that I'm not doing right. I don't have enough faith. I, I have let him down. I'm a disappointment to him. I, I've believed the lies of the enemy. I knew truth and yet it just always went back to me and I could read through Psalms, you know, anytime David would talk in the Psalms about his depression, you know, or discouragement, deep discouragement, um, dark, dismal days, I mean, I could relate to that. But the second that it twisted or turned to, but I put my hope and trust in the Lord, I just thought, I can't, I can't, I've, I've disappointed him. I, I'm, I'm not doing something right. And so I would close my Bible and just think, you know, if he wanted to help me, he would, and he hasn't. So, you know, again, it's just lies of the enemy. And so, yeah. Um, two, about two years later in 2009, um, I woke up on an October morning and I had battled the enemy the night before. And I somehow had crawled on my hands and knees from upstairs across hardwood floors, finally climbed back in bed. And I just said, as I fell back asleep, God, if I'm like this in the morning, I'm done. Mm-hmm. If you don't help me when I wake up tomorrow, I'm done. So I woke up the next morning. I still felt everything I felt the day before. And I decided that was it. I was going to say goodbye to my kids, say goodbye to my husband. And, and I was done. I I just could not imagine trying to do this another day. 
So, um, so I kissed my kids goodbye. I, I specifically remember, you know, just, uh, Sorry, I'm so sorry. The Kleenexes. Um, oh. I remember telling my husband, "You're going to have to take the kids to school," and and I kissed my kids, and I I stood at the garage door, and I kissed their cheeks, and I kissed my husband's cheek, and there's something about that, just wanting to freeze frame that sweet moment. It was my way of saying goodbye to them, and I did. I kissed them goodbye, and the garage door shut. They drove off, and. And I thought, I'm done. Um, and so I turned around and made my way back up stairs where my purse was left. And, and uh, I happened to walk by Ben's desk and his Bible was sitting there. And I just said to the Lord, this is it. You've got one chance. His Bible sitting there. Either you speak to me now and, and help me, save me, heal me, rescue me, deliver me. I don't care what you call it. You better do it now. And I sat down and opened up my Bible to Psalm 18. I didn't specifically search that psalm out. I just literally opened up the Bible and looked down at that um, at that passage, that that whole book, um, and read through it. And I literally could not stand up. I had sat down and read it, and I just remember thinking, "This, this is me." Like the the words of that psalm. Um, it says, "But me, he caught. He reached all the way from sky to sea." in that ocean of hate, in that enemy chaos, the, the enemy's noose was tight around my neck. I mean, it was a, a whole description perfectly of what I felt like. I felt like I was drowning. I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. I felt like I had a physical hold around my neck. And, um, and I continued to read through it. And it, 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 towards the end of the, of the passage, it says, um, you know, he delivered me because he delighted in me. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And that's all I needed to hear. He had voluntarily made my darkness his secret place. He wasn't forced into it. He didn't have to. He wasn't obligated to. But he loved me enough to reach down into the hell that I was in. And he exchanged the glory that he was in for my hell. And, and he did it not because I had done anything right, not because I had fulfilled any expectations, because I hadn't, but simply because he delighted in me. And here mm -hmm. I had worked my whole life to gain his approval. Oh. And it's like he just said, stop. Stop. Just rest in the rescue. You don't have to work at doing any more. I do love you. I do accept you. Stop striving. Stop struggling to attain something I've already provided for you. And that was my whole, my whole issue was... This, this misconception, I understood grace. I knew that God's grace had found me and saved me 20 years ago. But yeah. I had the misconception that from that point, now it was my responsibility to keep me. Mm. Now it's my responsibility to maintain that salvation and, and that healing, that health, that joy, that peace. And, and he was like, it wasn't just grace that started and ended at salvation it didn't end there. It, it, that's the beginning. It, it's grace from the beginning to the end. It's grace that keeps you the whole time. He did for me what I couldn't do. And, you know, since that time, and, and also it, it was an instant rescue The instantaneously, you know, I'm reading through this passage thinking, you know, it talks about how angry he was 
And at first, the first time I read through it, I just thought, he's so mad at me. You know, he's so, he's so mad at me. I've messed up again. But reading through it again, it was, he was enraged at the enemy and what he was doing to me. And and that's what caught his attention. I caught his attention to the Mm. point where he stood up and left glory on my behalf. It's just a picture of Jesus. It's the whole picture of what Jesus did for us. You know, Um, since that time, you know, I, I don't, of course we all, I think have moments where we compare ourselves and struggle with, you know, am I the right person for this job? But I've never once questioned again, if God's acceptable or has accepted me, if I'm acceptable to him, I've never once questioned, um, you know, am I the right person for the call that he's placed on me? Am I the, do I have the right gift set? If, if I look the right way or portray what I'm, I'm who I am. And I don't fit the perfect pastor's role. I have crazy hair and I've got a couple piercings and I've got a couple tattoos and I didn't grow up in church. So I'm always like, why do we do what we do? Has anyone ever asked that question? Why do we all go to Wednesday night church? What is that? Who says we have to, you know, I sometimes feel like I'm always the negative rebel, but I just feel like sometimes we just swallow things hook, line and sinker without really saying, why do we do what we do? You know, and um, I would call you a fresh breeze. I know, I love it. <laughs> a negative. I would say, praise God I for know. freshness and I love it. And eyes that can see. And, Amen. And I love it. Amen. Well, I think you know. I think my husband and I are great fits for each other. Sometimes I I make him kind of question things that we just have always done because I didn't grow up in this. So I'm like, why do we do that? What's the reasoning behind it? Is it simply because we've always done it? Why, why does this role have to look like this? Is it because that's how it's always been done? And, and like I said in the beginning, you know, I walked through this. I sure wish I could have learned this lesson a whole different way. It wasn't anything that God did extra for me. He didn't, he didn't do anything more for me. It was simply a shift in my own perspective. I just literally saw his grace in a whole different way. No longer did I have to sit there and go, I've got to continue to, to take these steps or X, Y, Z and measure up and, and meet these expectations. I just simply shifted my perspective and realized that what he did for me was enough. Mm-hmm. I don't have to add to it. I, I, you know, he didn't just simply save me for salvation's sake. He saved me to have an abundant life. And I had, I definitely was not living an abundant life mm-hmm. by any means. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it was like, the Holy Spirit spoke to you boldly and freely through through that psalm at the critical time where yes. you could shift absolutely your mind thinking because you tried. I, I mean, did. from your story, you you said you try to go to the Word, you try to go to Psalms, you tried it, but then when the truth of oh, but God saves. Your, your darkness and the enemy lying to you would have you close the book and walk away. No, no, I got to try harder. No, no, I'm a failure. No, no, God's mad at me. No, you know, right? Yeah. But the critical- and the whole perception that I've got to look like a certain way. I can't let anyone know that I'm feeling this way. I'm the one that's supposed to have all the answers. People come to me, you know, and so there was a, a shame and a guilt and fear and, and telling people, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to get myself out of this. And God was the whole time saying, get yourself out of it. What are you talking about? I didn't didn't even put that expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Surrender all. 
surrender and and he rescued me nine years ago or whatever and and he still says i'll rescue you every day i'll rescue yes. over and over and over what stuck out to me in that psalm more than anything else was the simple phrase but me he caught mm. me he caught me and i was so stuck on he could do it for everyone else why won't he do it for me and he just reminded me but me he caught kim you're caught i caught you i reached down i caught you and that that's what hit me you know, we all struggle through things. We all battle through horrendous situations. And we have faith for everyone else, it seems like, until it comes to ourselves. <laughs> yes. All of a sudden, the question, yes. you know, That's is he able to trust me? And he just re reiterated, yeah, I did. I'll do it again. I'll do it every day if you need me to. Yeah. You know? Katie and I talk um, mm -hmm. often on this podcast about the necessity of God's word. And um, it, because it really is alive and active. Yes. And for you in that moment, it was alive and active. I mean, God was pursuing you through his word yes. to rescue you and redeem a very dark situation. And yes. I think sometimes um, the enemy has us not enamored at all with the word because he knows the word has the power to do more than we can even understand. Yes, truly in that moment, God used his breath to rescue a very dark situation. Yes. And there's so much power in reading that word out yeah. loud because I read through it and I didn't even make a conscious decision at the time. I literally was just so desperate. I read it at a whisper. It's all I could do. And then when I read through it again, I read it louder and again and again, and I heard myself speaking it and it was as though the lord himself was speaking to every lie the enemy had thrown at me with every, with every lie he had a rebuttal and it wasn't just an argument a two-sided argument it was a done deal it was a speak this out i mean there's something to be said when paul says that faith comes by that you know hearing and hearing and hearing yeah. and hearing yeah. the word you know I had to hear it, even if it was my own voice, even if my mind didn't agree with it or believe it quite yet, the more I read it, the more my heart and my head jived and, and yeah. came into alignment. I had to hear those words. It was God himself speaking to every lie and yeah. shutting every lie down. Sure. That's the only way I believed it. I'd read that Psalm, I'm sure a million times before, but never in that way ever. Yeah. And he came through right when I needed it. Let me ask you this question. I'm sure since you have shared your story, even as recently as last Sunday, wasn't it last or Sunday before last yeah. um, that you've had, I can only imagine the amount of people that have come to talk with you about your story because it echoes their story a little bit that right. they're probably scared to share or scared to right. um, verbalize that they're dealing with this. So if you, if we had people, which I know we do, that we have people that deal with depression that are listening right now to your story what is something as somebody who's now on the other side of it what is what would you say to them in how to start walking this walk of freedom you know i have had people come to me and sometimes i'm like oh man i kind of wish i hadn't said anything because i'm not the expert on depression sure. like yeah. i don't know you know yeah. all i know is that god rescued me and he used psalm 18 to do it for mm. me that's what i needed to hear i love it again it was simply an illustration of what Jesus had done for me. Mm -hmm. And so what I have told people over and over is read Psalm 18 and, and where 
you know, where there's a pronoun for, for you in there, put your name in it. Mm. And yes, that's great. But Kim, he caught, you know, he reached from sky to sea and pulled Kim out of that ocean of hate and that enemy chaos, yeah. make it personal. And you're speaking the word over yourself. There's power and there's authority to that. Again, your mind may not believe it. Your mind may not grasp it yet, but the more you speak it, the more you will realize that his grace wasn't simply a salvation way back when, and that now it's up to you to maintain it. He will rescue you, make it personal, because it's mm -hmm. his voice speaking to every doubt, yeah. every expectation that's unmet, and it silences the enemy in all of it. There's no, there's no rebuttal the enemy can come up with when you're speaking yeah. the word and you're personalizing, yeah. you're putting your name in that, in that space. Well, and I think, too, how powerful um, if moms... Uh, did that psalm for their kids Absolutely. Uh, when their kids are falling and you can see them falling into uh, deception or self-deception where they think they need to earn love or earn mm -hmm. trust or mm -hmm. earn the love of the father mm -hmm. or uh, when you repeat that psalm with their name in it that right. God would honor like you're saying that it's said out loud and that right. it's personal and that it could start piercing early the deception the enemy is trying to bring upon them. Right. Because like I said, I mean, I grew up in a great household. My family, they're not believers yet. They told me I could do anything I wanted to. And it was only when I came into this religious system, mm. I love the body of Christ. I yeah. love church. It's a picture of the body. Amen. But religion is a stink. It's a stench. Yeah, it's yeah. bondage. It's saying, you have to do it in, in your works instead of rest. We only labor to rest. That's yeah. all that we ever labor in. It's not to achieve acceptance, approval. It, we only labor to rest. Yeah. We get to rest in what God's done and accomplished for us. He did for me what I couldn't do. If I could have done it on my own, if I could have gotten myself out of the depression, if I could have gotten myself out of a mindset of all the things I needed to measure up, and you know, I would have done it. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's all of our stories. Mm -hmm. If we could have saved ourselves, we would have done it. You know, yeah. it's a picture yeah. of God's grace. He did for me what I couldn't do. Yeah. He left glory to step into my hell. That was profound to me yeah. because I knew the hell that was, mm -hmm. it wasn't someone else's story. It wasn't like, exactly. Exactly. you know, I heard it in my head. Mm -hmm. I knew I wouldn't yeah. wish that on my worst enemy. Yeah. I, you know, let alone my Lord, you Amen. know, Amen. Yeah. And he stepped into that gladly. Yeah. And what's what's happening into my head is in his sovereign hand, not that he wished that dark couple of years on you, not that he in any way sent that, but in his sovereign hand, he allowed you to go through that. So now you are such a beautiful voice. You know, there's a, there's a passage in Song of Solomon that says, I wooed her out mm. to the desert and then I opened a door of hope to her. Oh, I never ever recognized him as my rescuer or my healer had I not needed a rescuer or a healer. Amen. Did he bring me into depression? No, I believed a lie, but he wooed me out into a desert place where all I could do was rely on him. He was my last hope. And he's so faithful. He doesn't string you along. He doesn't hold out on you. He simply rescues you when you need it. And here I had 
battled this thought of he's holding out on me. And that's what the enemy would say. You're worth nothing. All he's doing is holding out on you. He doesn't want to help you. If he would, he would have. If he really wanted to, he'd save you right now. You've begged day after day. But in my head, I didn't get it still. I still was under this deception that it was something I wasn't doing right. Mm. I wasn't pleasing to him. I wasn't acceptable to him. And so ultimately, you know, it came back down to it was a shift in perspective. I, I had to have a different perspective. And the perspective was that his grace was enough for me. His mm. grace was greater than, than my depression. Oh, yeah. And in a way, wasn't that the original lie with Eve? God's holding out on you. God doesn't really have your highest good in mind. You know, if you're autonomous and just take it into your own hands, um, you'll you'll be better off. Yeah. Yeah. He he's such a liar. Yeah. But he's not very creative. It's kind yeah. of the same lie woven in different ways yeah. in different right? But yeah. the same basic. And um and yet, oh thank God that God is I think that's so much bigger. I think that's you know, human default is always to go back to somehow, some way we can add. You know, right. God maybe didn't get it all the way right. He started off right. He started off really well. He saved me, but now I've got to add and maintain. Or he started off well with Adam and Eve, but you know the enemy comes in and deceives to make us believe that we have to add to it. There's yeah. something more we can add. <laughs> yeah. Screw up every time. You know. Right. Yet, even when you when you look back in the garden, you know they hid themselves away from God. They made that decision to hide away. God came looking for them. He just walked up looking for them, saying, where did you go? Where are you? Yeah. We always have this perception that he's mad, he's condemning. That was my fear in reading through that psalm was that, you know, when I first saw how angry he was, I thought, Mm -hmm. he's he's mad. I've let him down again. I've disappointed him. And I thought he was going to shake his fist at me and, you know, point his finger at me and say, you be- why would you do this? You know better, Kim. You know, you believe these condemning lies. And he never did that. He didn't condemn me. All he did was say, I love you. I, I accept you. Mm. I delight in you. I, you are my place of delightment. Like, that's where I find delight is in you. Your, your spirit, your heart, your mind, your emotions, all of me is where I place my delight. I mean, that was profound to me because I knew. I was not very delightful at the time. Mm, mm. But he never said that. Um, I can't. Oh, go ahead. No, I go ahead. I was just going to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your vulnerable honesty. Yeah. About yeah. this. How many people are walking around in a trap yeah. of I'm the pastor's wife. I'm the Bible yeah. study teacher. I'm the elder's wife. I'm, yeah. I'm this. I'm that. Therefore, I can't yeah. get help. I can't be real. I can't let anyone know. I can't. I just got to keep going through the motions. And they believe that, the, the lies of the enemy. Yeah. 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 Sure. I'll tell you, um, our, our mutual friend, Susan Blunt, she said to me, uh, you're going to love Kim because she's a deep, deep well. And I'm telling you, uh, it's making me emotional. This was powerful. I mean, this was powerful. And I can only imagine that uh, God woke me up with your name in my mind because there is uh, some man or woman 
that is dealing with this. And as, as you said, they're, they're living in a living hell right now. And they need to hear that what they're hearing is a lie and that God's plans are so much greater. greater. And they're not alone. That was the other thing for me is I just felt like I'm crazy. Yeah. I must be crazy. No one else has dealt with this to this extent. I mean, I had no idea how common of a problem this really is. And when I did share the story recently, you know, I've shared my story in kind of guarded ways. I've been very careful. I didn't want to cast my sacred pearl before people that I don't know how they would react, you know, and you get up there and you kind of bear all and you, you know, I can candy coat things and say, man, it was really difficult. I went through a really tough season. Okay, whatever. But when you stand up there and say, I was walking in freeways, you know, Mm, uh, yeah. and I'm the pastor's wife and I'm out there walking in freeways, you know, um, it became, you know, a very vulnerable place. And all I kept thinking was someone has to hear this. There's someone sitting out there right now that has been trapped in a hell like I was. And, and I didn't have the strength at the time to walk up to, to someone and say, can you please pray for me? I don't know what's going on. I I don't understand why I'm feeling this way. And, and I was trapped in, in bondage in, in a prison in my own head. And really the Lord was saying the whole time, I made you free. Yeah. I I made you free. You just don't understand that yet. And so let me show you. And so for me, the opportunity to be able to share this story, I don't really care if it's all out there. I don't care what people say. I don't care if I look like a crazy person. I don't care because there's some, there's another Kim out there, whether it's a pastor's wife or an executive or a mom yep. who has believed lies that she's alone in this and yep. that God's holding out on her or him and he's not. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you said, or, or him, we um, live in a huge military community with uh, Quantico Marine Corps Base is right by us. My, um, I'm married to a former Marine. My three sons, adult sons, are all in the military. So we do a lot of military ministry. And there are 20, 22 suicides a day in our military. It's so unacceptable. And so we deal a lot yeah. with um, either the man has serious, serious depression and then he brings that home to the wife and she sees no way out and they beg God, they beg God daily, yes. take it away, take it away, take it away. And then yeah. he doesn't just reach in their brain and take it away. Right. But what he does do, I believe is send people like you. And I mean that, that oh. would be honest, would be vulnerable, would risk whatever kind of judgment and just say, no, this is my story and I'm going to use it for good. And I think, I know, I'm not even going to say, I think I know Susan that God put Kim on your heart for such a time as this. And thank you. Thank you, darling. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I do want to say um, not to drastically uh, change <laughs> But I, uh, but I do want to say this. Um, I'm going to let you tell them what your social media handles are because you are so fun to follow. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, this okay. is the thing is that uh, because once I started following you, then I started following your church and so fun. I mean, I watched all the, I've been watching their videos now. 
Ever Weeks. They are so fun. I can't even stand it. One of the Sundays, uh, you all had like hip hop dancers or something on stage. Oh gosh. And I feel like that's all the time. We just, I we love it. Of, you know, the church should be a place where everyone can be involved. Every yes. showcase your gifts, your talents, you know, and have fun. And I just have five campuses now, don't you? We do. We do. Yeah. I love so, that. I love and that. not multi-site. So every church has, every campus has a live pastor who preaches the message, the same message across all campuses. That's with awesome. DNA reaching their own community. Yeah. And that's just been so faithful. I don't know. You know, sometimes I, I, I'll grab a new follower on my Instagram or whatever. And I sometimes yeah. scroll through my, my own feed to just go, what do they think of me right now? Like, they <laughs> I'm crazy, which is fine, you know, but I love it. Yeah, I'll put up so now, how can, now, if they want to uh, get to know you a little bit better, where is the best place to follow you? Uh, Instagram. That's where I'm at. I'm on Instagram, and I go by my childhood name. It's Kimmy, K-I-M-I, Daily. D is in David, A-I-L-E-Y. Awesome. Uh, so that's it. You, they, um, I'm serious when I say you need to go follow her, because she's so fun to follow. <laughs> I've been following now for a couple of weeks, and I'm like, dude, i got to go visit that church. It's oh, so well, come on. We would love it. We oh, my goodness. We would love it, too. <laughs> Kip, thank you so much. You thank just you. don't even know what a gift this has been today. I mean, truly. It, Absolute oh, gift. Yeah, it's been a gift. It really has. Thank you for your, just giving up your time, because I know it is precious, and we so appreciate it. Well, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I appreciate you both so much for, again, extending the opportunity to speak. And I just hope that somewhere, some way that someone out there is being rescued right now because mm -hmm. of this. Amen. Amen. I'm counting on it. I know. That's all I, there's to it. I, I can't, I can't wait to get, I can't wait to get some feedback exactly. here. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We're going to get emails and messages and we can't <laughs> and wait we'll, to share we'll it. we'll pass them on to you. Yes. So you absolutely. You're making a difference. That's you're so making thank a difference you so much. in this world and pushing the kingdom forward and bringing, bringing truth where the enemy has so lies. Yeah. That's wow. awesome. Good. Kim, thank you so much. Oh, we're so grateful. And you have a good rest of the afternoon. Awesome. You too. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.